summer long, we have heard readings from the Bible about how to be a good neighbour. Today we hear still more from the law, the prophets and the gospel. Let us open our ears, minds, hearts and souls and stretch our imaginations across time and space to hear what our forebears in the faith have to say to us today. From the law in the book of Deuteronomy, if there is among you anyone in need, a member of your community in any of your towns, within the land that your Lord, your God, is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. And from the prophet Ezekiel, the Lord God proclaims, Enough, princes of Israel, turn aside from violence and oppression. Establish justice and righteousness. Seize your evictions of my people. And from the prophet Micah, all will sit underneath their own grapevines, under their own fig trees. There will be no one to terrify them, for the mouth of the Lord of heavenly forces has spoken. And from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, when the human one comes in his majesty, and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him, and he will separate them from each other, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, and the goats will be on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who receive good things from my parent, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. the word of God and the law, for the word of God from the prophets, for the word of God in the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you.
My mic is on now. Great. Sorry about that. It's our 12th week here in summer worship, our 10th with special guests, and today we're grateful to welcome Arlene Hill, who I'm going to say a few words about in just a second. As we've been doing in the last uh, few weeks, we've been reviewing who has come to speak to us in this theme of who is our neighbor. And so just to review, when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment, he said... Merle, say it. That's right. We can say it together. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, some translations, your very being. And the second commandment was? Excellent. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we have been delving into that theme this summer with many guests. Can you help me remember who our guest speakers have been and also any tidbit you got from them? The Muslim sisters, uh, uh, neighbors, uh, Faiza Khan and Rana Mumtaz. Yes, good friends, Brookline Muslim friends. Fabulous last week, Abba Taylor, the new executive director of the Brookline Community Foundation. Doc? Yeah, Carrington Moore, the executive director of Common Cathedral, the church on Boston Common for Boston's homeless population. Aaron and Venkatesh and Rachel Silverman of our Thrifty Threads Thrift Shop talking about the community of folks who come in our building every week for that ministry. So, the director of Art Barn, Art Barn Community Theater that uses this space. Matthew Kosick was here two weeks ago. Right, Reverend Eric Hoke, who's been in discernment with us this year, a pastor from Western Pennsylvania who brought the message of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Our first speaker was our state rep in the Mass House, Tommy Vitolo. Members of our mental health team ministry, yep. Yeah. Thank you, and Raul Fernandez, the first Latinx member of Brookline Select Board who works on diversity, equity, and inclusivity at Boston University. I think that we got everyone in there. Um, and today, I'm thrilled, closing out our series is someone I've gotten to know the past year, year and a half, others have, Arlene Hill. Can you give her a warm welcome, please? <laughs> Thank you very much. That's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote to you this week um, that last year, so we've been involved with the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization's fight for affordable housing up on the State House. We're asking, among other things, for an $8.5 billion bond bill to invest in affordable housing across the state. And last year, some members of our community got curious about what it's like to actually live in Brookline housing. And as I wrote to you this week, they were horrified by what they found out right here in Brookline. Uh, flaking asbestos, crumbling stairways, uh, heaters that go on all summer long. And uh, we have about, depending on how you count, 81,000 affordable units in Massachusetts. We have about 1,000 right here in Brookline that are run by the state or the Fed or the local organization. And these local agencies don't have enough to keep them up. One of our inside allies in Brookline Housing is Arlene Hill, who was with us back in October to talk with us as our teach-in. She also was with us in April when we had an action upstairs in our sanctuary. I've had heard Arlene speak many times. I describe her as feisty <laughs> and outspoken and warm-hearted. 
And uh, many of us, I've been on many Zoom meetings with you. I've been in the state Senate president's office with you. We've been on car rides together and many Zoom meetings. And I wanted all of you to hear a little bit of Arlene's story and also a little bit more of Brookline Housing and why we're part of this fight. So thank you, Arlene, for coming to be with us today. My pleasure. And I'd like to get to know you all, too. I, I love people. And thank God for state housing because it saved my life. But I came from severe abuse, and the ability to lock a door is what started me on my path to feeling whole and worth something. For years, I was told I wasn't. And there will always be people like that, so there will always be a need for a place to live that lets you learn how to save money and budget and live like a normal person, whatever that is. It's better than what how we're told we should live. So in seeing you and seeing how you live is what teaches me how to live. From the abuse I had, there comes a time when everyone who's been abused knows I can either become an abuser or I can say, no, this is bad and wrong. And I chose that this is bad and wrong and I will not be a part of anybody doing this. That's where abusers come from. That's all they know. So kind of have that in your heart too when you run into them or you know, meet them. No one chooses that life. And uh, I I'm here to invite you too. I grow, I'm so lucky. They had to pull out a tree. I ran out when they were done and threw plants down. I got six bushes of tomatoes, squashes, peppers. I'm working on watermelons and uh, the other fruit, the breakfast fruit, I can't think of it right now. But there's beautiful things in housing. In my building alone, there's a fellow from Russia, a guy from Africa, there's a woman and her son from um, Haiti, just in my building. The world is in my neighborhood, and it's wonderful. It's a great place for kids to learn. As I say, we're all cake, we just have different frostings. That's, that's humanity, it's all cake. And that's where kids learn it when you have the whole world right there. So, so Arlene, one of the things I heard you say, I'm gonna invite you to hold your mic a little oh, bit so closer sorry. when we speak for everyone in the back. My uh, kids are always, shut up, ma, shut up, so. <laughs> so one of the things you just said, and I'm not sure if everyone got it, is when you moved into Brookline Housing at age 21, yeah, or thereabouts, that was the first time you felt like you could lock the door behind you and have a place of your own, yeah, your own sort no. of sanctuary. Yeah. I've heard you say that several times. And I know, so we've listed some of the problems with affordable housing, but tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit more about what you actually like about living in Brookline Housing. The fact that I have a, a locked door is great because when you're poor, and people don't pick to be poor, and it's not a crime to be poor. It's there, and it's my own, and I can do what I want and feel free and safe in it. That's the first thing. And living in Brookline, you're really safe. And I have the muddy river behind me. I have the Jamaica pond right there. I have lovely neighbors who smile. The next door neighbor, the building outside the project was the first outside Brookline person I met. And she was just wonderful. She was really nice. And she had a problem with the kids. And from my third floor at the top of the hill, I could see, so one day I called and said they're coming, and we became friends forever after that, because I scared them off, and, made, and that made me feel like, I can help, I can 
stop bad things from happening, not just save myself. I have a power that, that was a joy for me to find, that I could stand up and say no, and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> You know, but housing let me do that. There are great, it's like everybody's home. If you own your own home, you gotta fix the roof and do whatever and that stinks, but you love it because you can put beautiful pictures and that's where your kids come or your friends come. I can read, I had, I was selling books or giving away books and this kid, I used to escape to the library when I was a kid. So I really felt safe with my house filled with milk crates full of books. But after having books in every room, I was good enough to be like, some of these can go. And this young kid came over to look through my books, and I was reading, and he stopped and he said, this is so lovely here. I have lots of plants. God gave me the gift of growing. And I had birds, and the birds were, he said, this is the most beautiful place. And I felt so proud that a place that I woke up twice to the ceiling falling in my face. I broke my wrist on the door, the steps outside, they were falling apart. And I slipped on the concrete. Could be the most beautiful place this guy had ever been. Amen. And it's not just like life. You love it one day and it smacks you the next. But that's life, you know? Right. So as you can see, you, you were a survivor. I am. Of, of, of many things. And one of the things that struck me when we had the event upstairs in April, which I've shared with you and shared with others, is we had three residents of Brookline Housing talk about what it's like to live there. And one was talking about, you know, rats in the walls that didn't get taken care of and the smell was so bad they couldn't live or right. stay in their apartment. Heaters that stay on all summer long. Uh, a young mom talked about uh, hurting her ankle, slipping on the stairs that hadn't been repaired and then losing her keys, and it took weeks to get the keys, and she has a, a toddler. Right. And what really hit me in that meeting upstairs is that two of these three people started weeping openly with us as they talked about this. And for the first time, I really got it at a heart level of what conditions that are not taken care of do to a person's sense of worth and right. dignity. I also got in that meeting that for the first time, people who lived in Brookline Housing felt like they were being treated as allies in this political fight, this advocacy we're, we're doing. I wonder if you could just say a little bit more about that. That matters so much to me. I, as much as I got a sense of worth, I've never had people who were professionals or, you know, above me in my life, treat me like an equal, listen to me. I used to think I was smart, now I know I'm smart, because smart people told me I'm smart. <laughs> because you don't know when all you're told is you're a stupid blah, blah, blah. That's what you believe. If you can know one thing, what you tell or how you treat your children gets in their marrow, and it is so hard to pull it out. So always love children, give them that at least. In this country, we don't give them much else. Give them that. And that's what I wanna do too, and I think I can. I be it every time we go to the state house, I'm right there. Because we are the same people. I believe we're all cake. We're all the same, and then we're putting these boxes 
People don't like that teenagers now go, I'm not a he or a she. I think that's awesome. Why are they always asking our gender? What does that matter? We are all people and none of us belong in a box. Men don't cry and women take care of everything. I'm tired of taking care of everything and I bet sometimes you guys want to cry. So we should be able to. This is wonderful the way kids are doing it now. But hearing from you guys that I'm right and that I do have a place to live and I should live is good because housing treats us. And I'm going to speak in front of the board and I'm kind of nervous because I owe them rent because I'm going through things. But they want us to give us their, our bank statement so they can go over it looking for money changes. So you're treating us like criminals before we even are accused of something. So that idea, when I meet somebody and say I live in public housing, and I can see in their eyes I'm down 10 points, starts at housing. So I, I have to speak up and say, that's wrong. You should be saying, glad you're here, and gosh, I'm glad we're here for you, and together we can do things better. I'm trying to do that with raising money. I told my director, who when we went to and said, there's vermin everywhere, there's this, there's that, I don't have the money. And when I hooked up with GBI, I said, let's get it. Right. And we have been. So that's why we're in this fight, is to get yeah. money into the Brookline Housing Authority. Right. So, so Arlene, I've heard you speak even more candidly about some of your backstory and the hardship you went through, and I have, Often, I've, we've talked about it a little bit, and I wonder what you would say it is that keeps you going. You know, honest to God, I thought of this, people say that, and I'm going through a really hard time, and I woke up this morning singing. I was just born with, when I was a kid, they used to call me, oh, Pollyanna, oh, you're such a Pollyanna. <laughs> I heard that my whole life, and I am. I'm optimistic by nature, and it's probably what made me be a fighter, because I have friends who have came from the same place I did that are dead now. My next door neighbor at housing, same exact thing, same drugs. I got away, she couldn't, and she just died last year. And that could have been me, except I say, God, genes, genetics, fate, I don't know what it is. But I believe there's a God in each one of us, and that's what I look to in every person, and that's what I bring out in me, that I could have went that way, I went this way. It's for a reason, use it, do it. And the only way you get anywhere is by fighting. No one's gonna give you nothing. Maybe after we all fight really hard, people will give us stuff. But right now, you gotta fight to get anything if, if you're not. Good. 40 and white and really rich. <laughs> Other than that, you're kind of asking for things. So we just heard Elizabeth Reed from the book of Deuteronomy that don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your neighbor in need, but open your hand, willing to lend enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. And also from the prophet Ezekiel, cease your evictions of my people. So I'm curious, why does it matter to you that we're in this fight with you? Because numbers matter. That's the basic bottom line. I want to say, because I want you all to feel the, the joy I feel with getting money for people that deserve it. 
being able to say to people who are cheaper, I'm not cheap, just you don't think. They don't, they, they think I'm in my world and I often say, you're not the world, you're not the center. And a lot of people think they are. Wake up, it's, you're not the center. And more of us matter when we talk to politicians. I spoke in front of 300 people, you were there, and then we got 1,400 people. And I got 15, not I, but we all got 15 million more this year for projects, just yearly. It's a drop in the bucket, but it's 15 million more than ever. A couple of years ago, the governor gave 10 of our million dollars to the libraries. Like they need it more than we do, it, it was bad. So that 15 million did good, but we need a lot more. So when we call out people, please show up on this date, that's when the meat, that's what they say, the rubber hits the road. Right. That's when the rubber hits the road. So even if we could count on you for that one day, if you don't want to know anything else, just call me on that one day, that's, with the Jewish mitzvah, mitzvah? Good mitzvah, yeah. Good mitzvah, <laughs> we'll mix our metaphors, because yep. life's all about mixing things. So our whole theme this summer has been about being a good neighbor. Are there any other ways that you think we could be good neighbors if to folks in Brooklyn like Housing? If you'd like to come in, come down, walk through. People cut through. I live at High in Cyprus. And if you know the history, there's a brick house in the corner right across from the store. That house used to be at the top of the hill where my apartment is. And in the 30s, they rolled that down and built housing for the vets. And it started out being a home for vets and then it turned into public housing because there was no housing for people who are not wealthy. I'm going to start saying that instead of four. We're not wealthy. <laughs> this is the picture on the cover of your order of worship. Yeah, that's my project. That's my place. And it's beautiful. We have so many trees and greenery and the muddy river. I often say, boy, if they knew what they gave us. <laughs> I have two dogs and I walk them there every day and it's marvelous. I'm very lucky to live there. And I know that and I try to take care of it. And I put flowers out there so there can be beauty that we can all share. Thank you. So we are gonna continue with this. You will hear from our GBIO core team. Some of our members of the core team are here today. David Rockwell and Connor Israel are our two co-liaisons. We will be having more actions uh, coming up and more ways for you to get involved. I I'm grateful, Arlene, for you bringing your fighting spirit your great warmth, your positive attitude, and for us to get to know you better. And we are going to organize some tours of Brookline yeah, Housing yeah. with Arlene that folks can come with us and get to know more about our neighbors. And if you want to just sneak up Sunday, you're around, come by. I'm at 216 number 5. It says Hill on the button. That just went out to YouTube, so you That's know. Okay. Right. 216 5. <laughs> Thank you, Arlene. <laughs>